Welcome and hear, hear. This is Hear, Hear, my audiobook podcast. I'm Dan Masterton, and I'm reading to you from my fiction story, What There Is to Be Done. I'm excited to share this with you one chapter at a time. If you're interested in getting your hands on a paperback copy of the book, visit my link tree at linktr.ee slash danmasterton. That's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash danmasterton. Just follow the directions and complete the form, and I'll send your copy. You can also check out my other writing there. If you're interested in reaching out, I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter at thisladdan, or drop an email to dmastert at alumni.nd.edu. All right, you hit play, so it's time to hear here. If you're driving or running or working, I'm glad to be along with you. Maybe grab a drink later? If you're somewhere safe, raise a glass and toast a blessing to our Catholic schools, our students and teachers, and our imperfect but faithful endeavor to teach the faith. I'll join you. Here, here. Cheers and enjoy. So these are the new digs, Mike observed as he barged into Teresa's new office. It was early August, and Teresa was starting to ramp up toward the new year. She had used July largely to take meetings, so many meetings. She had talked budgeting, requisition and check requests, procurement cards, and payroll processing for stipends with the business office staff. She talked tracking and tracing discipline records, academic eligibility and attendance records access with the dean's office. She talked shop with the athletic director about students' time management, supporting students in choosing diverse activities throughout high school, and how to manage parents, especially those upset with an outcome for their child. She checked in with the social-emotional counselors to learn how to better advocate for students' welfare, how she could confer with them about students who worried her, and what she should do when she wants to make a referral or suggest something to them. She talked to college counselors about the way she liked to conceive of student leadership and how she could help shape club and organization structures to provide opportunities for growth, reflection, and, of course, resume building to their students. There was probably more she was forgetting now, but Teresa had undertaken quite a listening tour. She hoped she came off as generous and attentive, as she authentically was, and prayed that her reams of notes would come to bear positively on the work she was undertaking, with students arriving for a new year in just a few weeks. Everything the light touches, she confirmed, gesturing around at the fluorescent-lit office that wasn't quite Pride Rock. In her spare moments over the summer, and even when she could have or should have been busy preparing in other ways, Teresa detoxed a little by staging her new office in the administration wing of the school. The location of the wing was pretty sweet. First floor, just off the main entrance and lobby area, a prime spot for students to mill about and chat. But once you came into the wing, her office was mostly just another little room, buried in the maze of desks, cubicles, and offices. Nevertheless, she wanted to dress it up to look like what she hoped it would be, welcoming, student-friendly, and a celebratory shrine to students' activity and involvement across the school. On a sidewall, she fastidiously folded a bunch of her different t-shirts from past theater productions, yearbook clubs, and history classes. She also asked Mike and Jess and a few other folks to contribute some old shirts. Using thumbtacks, she pinned up a checkerboard of squared-off shirt designs. One day as she was doing it, one of the teachers who used to moderate student council walked by and offered to dig out a few old extra shirts from student council's past. The result was a colorful, eclectic, and fairly representative patchwork of student life in all its mismatched and disjointed glory. On the opposite sidewall, she bought an inexpensive multi-pack of cheap, solid color frames and dug through her old photos to create a spread of pictures. Students cutting wood for a theater set, students huddled around a computer to edit a yearbook spread, 
students competing in an icebreaker on a school retreat, students on the gym floor leading a pep rally, and more. In this case, being yearbook editor really came in handy. She did the same sort of checkerboard pattern and shaped out a nice design. She planned to swap in a new photo every month or two and celebrate major events and fun memories as they happened in real time. She was hopeful that students would make a point of coming in to see new pictures as they popped up and that it could be a good prompt for conversation with students, whether to talk about good memories or look forward to new invitations and opportunities she could offer. For the wall she looked toward from her desk, she had less space since the doorway and glass window were right there. Teresa decided to put her degrees on this wall. Over the years, she could recall various folks hanging their degrees on the wall behind their desk or putting them on display shelves that guests could easily see. This rubbed her the wrong way. It wasn't that she was ashamed of her educational attainment, quite the opposite. She didn't want her degrees to siphon off any focus or good nature from the conversations that might happen in her office. What she did want was a reminder to herself of what she accomplished, of how hard she worked, and of the progress she had made in her life and career. So she put her degrees on the wall opposite her, the wall she would see whenever she looked up from her desk. This way, they'd be visible, celebrated, still a sign of her training, but they'd be less intended to impress or wow her guests than to remind her of how hard she had worked to reach this point. Mike leaned around to peek at her desk photos. A few of family and friends from her wedding day, a wedding picture with John, and an informal picture with John, plus some trinkets from over the years around MMOGHS. He nodded in approval and then unceremoniously blurted, haven't got around to cleaning out your old social studies desk yet, though. Teresa gave a half eye roll and blew a raspberry. As if you actually care, she accused. I don't, Mike admitted. Just giving you crap. Teachers don't report for two more weeks. I got time. I'll probably get to it soon, now that I'm mostly set up here. It'll be a good sanity break after I fill ten more pages with new notes from my listening tour, she commented. Mike laughed as he turned to head up to his office. Why are you here, she asked jokingly, but actually wanting to know the answer. He stopped and leaned against the doorpost. Took a while for the dust to settle. Teaching grids got delayed this summer by business office processing, so I'm just getting to them now. And actually, I'm still waiting on a few final numbers before I can really finalize loads. But I want to submit my stuff onto the schedule makers ASAP and cross my fingers that no one will have crazy class sizes or goofball stuff, like the time you had a 32-kid first period and the 8-kid second period. Teresa nodded in approval and agreement. Fight the good fight, Micah. Mike straightened up off his lean and marched away. Don't call me that, he said, matter-of-factly as he left. See ya, Mrs. A. Teresa regathered her wits. It was just a bit after 9 a.m., and the reduced summer hours were wrapping up soon. In a couple weeks, it'd be back to 40-hour-plus weeks, stacked-up meetings, and then, before they knew what hit them, all the students roaring in through the doors. She thought about poring over her listening notes and trying to do some strategizing, but as she started to grab her notebook and flip open to the right pages, the prospect of trying to synthesize so much information and distill it into some kind of reorganized strategy felt overwhelming. That gave her pause for a second because it was the sort of task that would usually excite her. The chance to bring order from chaos was one of her stronger skills and more potent passions. But something in the moment steered her to find a more concrete, straightforward task versus trying to zoom out and bring sense to the bigger picture. Teresa heard her phone chime and saw a new email from the business office bookkeeper. She had recently asked for the full detail on the budgetary stuff, and she wondered if this was it. Teresa grabbed her laptop and fired it up. Once she was connected, she refreshed her email, and sure enough, there was a healthy cache of documents waiting on this newest message. Teresa flipped to the matching page in her notes to review some of the details she had tracked to prime her brain for digging into these new spreadsheets. 
Every club has a general and club account. General accounts are from main school budget, appropriated by administration. Club accounts are discretionary money for moderators to raise, save, and spend. No approval needed to spend, but must be tracked through me. Stipends are set by principal and business office. Can try to influence ahead of next year. Some teachers track, report, and request impeccably. Others put undue last-minute pressure on staff to turn around checks and process requests. Whew. There were definitely some layers to navigate. But the explicitness and the definition of this task sat better with her. She felt ready and willing to comb through the tabs and numbers. It felt like some time and focus would yield a newfound grasp of things. So the prospect didn't seem quite so daunting. She downloaded the spreadsheets to her newly organized student life folders and now added a subfolder and opened the stipend sheet to chew into it. We'll get back to the book shortly, but first, do you ever look around Mass, scope people out in the Adoration Chapel, or look around the parking lot as you come and go from Mass? No matter what we may try, our hearts and minds and their original sin can't resist making skeptical judgments of people. Well, don't be a doubting Thomas. Be a benefit of the doubt giver with the Tomometer 2000. Add the app to your phone and grant it access to your camera, or pop in a pair of Tomometer brand contacts. Now, you'll only know the best of people. That dad who dozed off during the tail end of the homily? He was up all night with a colicky baby. That lady who keeps checking her phone during Mass? She's on her lectionary and missile app, following along with large print and a brightly backlit screen. That teen who's staring at his shoes during the Eucharistic prayer? He got made fun of for going to church, but is actually proud that he goes. The Tomometer 2000, the way to ensure that you, who are not without sin, will not cast the first stone or any stones. I'm not on Instagram, and I'm a selective poster and moderate lurker on Facebook, where I share the Restless Heart blog posts. But I'm most active on Twitter, where I actually really enjoy the Catholic presence of many thoughtful and faithful people. I want to recommend a few of my favorite follows to you here. This week, I invite you to follow Kathy Mears. Kathy tweets at kpmears78, kpmears78. Kathy has amassed many years of experience in Catholic education and educational leadership. Most recently, she served as Chief Program Officer and then Interim President and CEO of the National Catholic Educational Association, or NCEA. She recently retired and will now get to enjoy a bit more time with her family, but her Twitter feed remains an informative and joy-filled stream of good news in Catholic education. Her tweets are a great way to track some of the innovation and developments in our educational ministries from someone with an eye for the young people of our church. Follow Kathy at kpmears78, K-P-M-E-A-R-S-7-8. About half an hour later, Francis was walking by and stopped in the doorway. Good morning, Teresa. How are you? Francis asked flatly. Wading into the deep end, challenging but exciting, learning as much as I can handle these days, Teresa shared. How are you? Good, Francis replied quickly, so she could continue on to her business question. Listen, are you doing a fullish day? Taking a lunch break? Can you come by when you stop for lunch? Teresa couldn't quite read the cadence, but she didn't want to scrutinize morning small talk too much. And she figured one of the reasons why she and others in administrative roles were all in this wing of offices was to enable pop-bys and impromptu meetings like this. Sure thing, Teresa replied. Probably about two hours or so. I'll come by before I grab my leftovers to heat up. Works great. Thanks. Francis said as she backed out of the doorway and continued on down the hallway. 
Teresa scribbled a little post-it note reminder to herself and slapped it on her laptop next to the trackpad. All right, all right, let's see, she said to herself, finding her spot in the rows and columns of info. She had scanned through the stipends without seeing any major surprises, except for a moment when she saw her own name next to the yearbook club and realized she'd need to scout a new adult moderator for the yearbook. A bittersweet but ultimately positive moment. Next, she opened up the account balances and previous year's spending to familiarize herself with the patterns and amounts more closely. In fairly short order, almost two hours had passed when Teresa snapped out of her groove. She looked at the clock and realized it was well past 11 o'clock. Since she hadn't set a specific time with Francis, she wasn't worried, but she decided it was a good time to stop. She grabbed her notebook and pen, along with her now empty water bottle, and got up to visit the water fountain for a refill on her way to Francis. The best, coldest water came from a machine near the entrance to the admin wing, and her new proximity to it was a definite perk. Armed with a fresh bottle of delicious ice-cold water, she walked toward Francis's office. When she was still a good few steps away, she saw Aaron leaving Francis's office. He didn't look especially happy, but come to think of it, he never really did. The most you'd ever get out of him was a smirk or maybe a boastful grin. Teresa only saw him for a moment from afar before he had headed out toward the main doors. He wasn't even into contract days yet anyway, though he certainly was allowed and welcome on campus, and made a habit of being around even when not contractually required. She'd see him in a few weeks. When she reached Francis's open door, she knocked on the doorframe. Is now a good time, Teresa asked, out of courtesy, even though they had agreed to meet about then. Yes, Francis said, drawing out the yes, while not quite looking up from her desk papers and then her laptop screen, before finally glancing more specifically toward Teresa. Would you mind closing the door for us? Sure, Teresa said. I'm getting a little worried, she thought. Should I be worried? No, come on, we're into August all right. But, I mean, you never know. Let's just... Teresa... I have to put you back in the classroom, Francis said. Teresa's mind immediately turned into the equivalent of the flat face emoji. I will need you to teach two sections of AP US history this year, she explained. Teresa wasn't mad. She wasn't really anything. And it wasn't that she was numb. She had just been so present. Present to her itinerant listening tour and its conversation partners. Present to the follow-up tasks that would lay her groundwork. Present to giving herself a physical space to work and thrive in and one that students could enjoy and feel drawn to visit. Present to the reality that something she had dreamed about and prayed and discerned about had come to fruition in her mind, and then in formality, and now in reality. And that presence had kept her focused on important and exciting tasks at hand, and left less space for doubts or anxieties or any sorts of screw-taping. Her former piece had been one of detachment, humility, and patience. Her new piece had been one of presence. Now, she was being dealt a hand that yanked her off that mindfully charted course and into something she thought was many steps behind her. A happy something, but something she had moved forward from into a new segment. Part of her discernment was that she would always be a teacher at heart and that she could go back to teaching, but that mindset didn't include any thoughts of teaching again right away. Could she find a new presence? Could she find a current piece? Her thoughts raced pretty uncontrollably. Luckily, she hadn't gone so far into space as to miss that Francis now continued talking. We were teetering with enrollment. We were a few retentions or new freshmen or new transfers away from being solid, if a little more in the red than we'd like. We still need to figure out what happened, but we lost a few more students each week for the last few weeks. I had to let our newest social studies teacher go. We had to withhold a contract at the end of last year, and a few days ago I had to inform him we would not have a position for him to return here. To cover his load, I had to yank Aaron from theology and stick you with two classes to cover the full grid. 
that Mike now has to seriously restructure. We're trying to get the diocese to allow Father James to come on as a part-time teacher to backfill theology sections from Aaron. Teresa's notebook was still closed. She finally reached for her water bottle to keep her mouth from drying out all the way. She took a big sip. Man, that water was the best. And then returned to the challenging reality. Her goal was just to try to catch each detail right now. For the several times, she'd surely be replaying this conversation in her mind repeatedly and for the recounting to John later. I'm not touching your admin contract. You sign that, and we will honor it in good faith. But these classes are going to become a part of it, other duties now being assigned by the principal. And in all honesty, administrators may have to stay at level pay or take slight cuts or restructuring going in the next year or two if we cannot stabilize enrollment soon, Francis explained. Teresa's principal wasn't being crass or unfeeling, but she certainly wasn't animated by any sort of positive tone, like the day she and Teresa had shared a congratulatory hug over this new role. Teresa finally spoke up. All right, I'll, um, all right, I don't, tell me, Francis said. I don't think this is fair. It doesn't feel right. It feels like it didn't have to go this way, she said. It was a little more blurty than Teresa liked to be, but it was her honest feeling in the moment. She wasn't so much hurt emotionally as she was frustrated by the opacity of administrative dealings and the inconsistent ways in which teachers really knew what was going on or not. Did it have to be such a blindsiding? I will do my best to manage this, but I will have a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. Teresa ended her reply there, too exacerbated to figure out how forthright or diplomatic she could or should even try to be. I understand. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help, Francis said. I'm going to get my lunch, thanks, Teresa said, a bit disingenuously, though with authentic courtesy. She turned and left Francis's office. Teresa still wasn't upset, but her frustration was emerging. She visited the fridge to grab her lunch and decided today was not a day to sit and eat in the admin wing. Teresa chose to take a pilgrimage up to the social studies department for her lunch break. Good thing I never cleaned out my desk, she thought. It'll be there waiting for me. If there was any calm and regrounding to be had today, it'd start with a quiet lunch in her old stopping grounds. As she walked towards no man's land, Teresa saw Aaron feverishly moving some books around in a classroom. He saw her walk past and came out to the doorway. What are you doing up here? I wasn't sure I'd see you leave the administrative trenches to return to this hallowed ground. Dry and lofty as always. I needed to retreat. I thought it was peacetime, but I've experienced an unexpected incursion, Teresa played along. It seems you have as well. I'm going to go ahead and drop the war analogy at this point, Aaron decided. Well, I said teaching multiple subjects made me indispensable, and here we are. We lose students, we can lose a teacher, and when we need to backfill, I'm the swing guy who can get reallocated and keep the ship afloat. It's a pain, and I'm going to be dragging ass a little to get myself together when we have our final teaching grids, but my job is secure, maybe even more now than before. That's a pretty solid attitude. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little impressed, Teresa admitted, allowing a momentary stoking in the fallout of a difficult moment of an ego that did not need any inflation. What's your sentence, he asked. Same new job with the same huge buffet of responsibilities. Just now add two A-push sections, she explained. Good luck with that. Aaron replied deliberately. Oof. With that, he turned back into the room to get moving again. Aaron was okay for a chat, but he wasn't going to be a source of empathy or accompaniment. Teresa knew that and headed on. Her next stop was the old reliable microwave in the lounge, which was clean now but would surely be disgusting within just a few weeks of teacher's return, after which they'd vividly demonstrate the tragedy of the commons. She put her simple pasta dish in and pressed the nine button twice. 
why she chose the efficiency of a 99 second cook time over keying in three different digits like 130, she did not know. This deceptively powerful microwave sufficiently warmed her leftovers in under 100 seconds, and she sat down with her Tupperware and water bottle to chow down. She took her first bite, leaned back, and kicked off her shoes. This was as good a time as any to unleash some barefoot spirituality as she stared blankly toward an empty wall. She didn't even feel like checking her phone. Leftover pasta, bare feet, an empty stare, Mike observed from the lounge's doorway. Just let me know if you want first and second period again, because I got a heck of a lot of gritting to reattempt now. <sighs> Thanks, Mike. Keep me in one, too. I'll be done early and can use the rest of the day for student life, Teresa said. Done, Mike affirmed, still in the doorway. He took a beat and started to walk back to the department office. Text your husband. See you at your old desk. Sometimes Mike could come through with a good Rafiki chat. Other times, Mike opted for a quick pat on the back and plenty of space. Today, he left Teresa that room, and she didn't mind it. Teresa sighed. There would surely be times when the old routine would feel right and help her find an anchor point amid a lot of change and transition, but she couldn't help feeling that the rug had been pulled out from under her when no one was looking. Just then, Mike popped back into the doorway. Beers Friday? Beers Friday, he asked and answered himself. Teresa made a finger gun clicking sound of agreement and flatly ate her next bite of pasta. Well, that's all for this week. Remember, if you want to grab a paperback copy of the book, visit my link tree at linktr.ee slash danmasterton. That's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash danmasterton. Just follow the directions and complete the form, and I'll send your copy. You can also check out my other writing there. Finally, thank you for listening. May God bless you and all our Catholic school communities. And to you and your prayers and toasts, you're here. The guitar instrumentals on this podcast are improvised and performed by Jason Pham. This book and podcast are copyright Dan Masterton 2021, all rights reserved.